Well, good evening all, and welcome to week 10 of the podcast. The podcast they said that wouldn't last after two weeks. Well, actually, I said it myself. Anyway, welcome to C Special One Summary Men's Business. I'm your podcast host and captain, Mark Foster. Well, boys, what a victory that was, and the result has really got most of the section wrapped nice and tight. I think there might be a few teams needing to send us a thank you card by way of that result. Yes, the Sunbury boys knocked off top team Tullamarine 28 games to 27. First of all, as always, let's kick off with some feedback from episode 9, which was all about the victory over Millenston and the controversial interview with Lachlan the Keyman Smith. And didn't he let loose, boys? A new listener, Stilesy, said, Loving it. Thanks for the feedback. Looking forward to hearing more from you as this car crash of a podcast series keeps happening. And it's good to get feedback from the ladies. The Swedish chef, of course, was a little bit more subdued this week. Another action-packed episode is all that he's commented. I love the Swedish chef. He goes a little bit quiet when the boys manage to crank out a victory or two. No doubt he'll be back in cracking form when we're not in cracking form. Our casually racist Kiwi thought that I should finish with a song on the podcast or at least let my guest go out with a song. And that, my friend, simply is not going to happen. I could not be stuffed doing half of these podcasts in their entirety, let alone wasting another 30 seconds on this absolute debacle with a song. Having said that, though, I'll put something on on the end of this one, though. I might be stubborn, but I am flexible from time to time. Lastly, because let's face it, he always does his best work when the hard graft's being done by everyone else, the hitman chimed in, and specifically in relation to the interview, he said the following. Smith is clearly delusional, though somewhat entertaining in an odd way. My conversations with Teddy make a lot more sense than any conversation I've had with Smith. Smith is the worst gardener ever. He shouldn't touch anything in the garden. Now, Hitman, I must somehow refer to your last comment about being the worst gardener ever and not touching anything in the garden. For all you listeners that may not know, I used to share a house with the Hitman, and let's just say for a landscape gardener, he never ever brought his work home with him. In fact, the grass out the backyard was so far up to our knees in some patches, I swore I found a tribe of long-lost pygmies out the back. Nice enough chaps! but a little dubious with their cooking techniques. I suppose, Hitman, that it's better that Smith touches anything in the back garden doesn't go down the Don Burke road of touching everything in the back garden. That's probably a bit too soon with that comment for mine, but we'll press on. The only thing delusional, Hitman, is your dubious second serve under pressure. And not to be finished, he turned his attentions to the host. Can't imagine what I've done wrong, by the way. Anyway, he said I was also delusional and clearly needed help. Probably right, champ, but until you can come up with a podcast of your own, then you can just shut the hell up, buddy. For I have the microphone, sir, and you will listen to every damn thing I have to say. Finally, last week's poll question was asked, who would you take a bullet for? Not necessarily in the head, but maybe in the leg. Now, just one person responded to this, and my, oh my, it was exactly what I've been looking for. He said, and I quote, I'd take a bullet in the head for Harding if it was just the two of us stuck on a desert island. Better than the alternative and get stuck in 
talking about plants or gay men from Mitre 10 or wherever the fuck he works at. What an outstanding poll response. So, with last week's stuff out the way, let's look forward to what's coming up in this episode. We'll break down the season-defining win over Tullamarine, find out who's leading the Audi Player of the Year, go around the grounds, of course, thanks to Pop Mummy, check out who's got the bromance of the week, and find out which pair gets the weekly trip to the shrink this week in the It's Not Me, It's You segment. So, let's turn our attention to Thursday night's game, which, of course, was away at ladder-leading Tullamarine. Perfect conditions, boys, for a great night of tennis. Just before I start doing the breakdown, I've got one thing to say. Technology these days is outstanding. The ability to send people messages in an instant is revolutionising the way people communicate. It, of course, has been going on for a while. And one of the ingredients for this to work is to assume everyone has the same application as in and is on the same page. Let's just say communication stops if a certain captain does not have messenger. Whilst you boys were prattling on about pickups and the likes and whatever the hell you do with your messenger, did it ever occur to you that if I wasn't putting me two cents in, then perhaps I didn't have the application? Thankfully, the situation of becoming the next Gary Sidebottom didn't occur. Now, for all you young fellas, Gary Sidebottom, by the way, played for Geelong and missed the team bus for the 1981 preliminary final. Everything worked out sweetly, though, for Thursday night. There was, however, a late change with Reynolds unavailable through having a bad back, and we hope the old bugger gets better soon. So that meant for everyone's misery, Harding came into the lineup. And the lineup was as follows. And there is a bit of tactics behind this, boys. As you know, I love my stats. Being worried by the slow starts Harding and Taylor have got themselves into lately, I didn't want them playing the first set, as it was imperative we got off to a good start. I also noted Clark and Taylor played pretty well together, and Harding myself aren't too shabby at the business end, so I wanted those two last combinations at the end. So Sumbri went into the clash with Foster 1, Taylor 2... Clark 3, Harding 4. Once again, we were lucky enough to have two courts, so it meant the night would run pretty smoothly. So first up was Taylor and Foster, with Harding and Clark on the other court. Taylor and Foster got off to an absolute flyer and were 5-1 up, eventually winning 6-3. Clark and Harding never looked like it. In fact, I don't think they even looked at each other, going down 6-2. Tullamarine up 1, with two sets gone. And next to take the court were Clark and Foster, with Harding and Taylor on the other court. Clark and Foster unable to get up losing 6-3, although I have to admit, boys, Clark was a little bit grumpy during the set, so as a result my shoulders were a bit sore trying to help fire up the lad. Taylor and Harding played brilliantly on the other court to win 6-2. Christ, I can't believe I just uttered that. Scores are level going into the last two. Now, as mentioned on the podcast last week, Tullamarine are pretty strong with their last two sets and were 7-1 overall, so maybe they thought they would continue on their merry way. Harding and Foster took to court with Clark and Taylor on the other. Clark and Taylor finished off their opponents six games to four. Yes, Matthew, as you stated repeatedly after the game, you put Taylor on your shoulder and carried us to victory. In your mind. Sorry, Eric, mate, I just wanted to get that out the way. Otherwise, I would never hear the end of this. 
At this stage, Sunbury were up by two. Harding and Foster, who had no idea of the result of the other match, struggled in the early stages of the set and were four games to two down. Got on a roll winning three of the next four games, getting at the five all, but fell at the short at the end, six games to five. Sunbury winning the solitary game, 28 games to 27. Play finished about 10 past nine. Crowd figure? Nope, no crowd at all. You know what? Some people can go and watch the bigger boys play. But I guarantee if some people went to watch the lower grades, then they would be more than pleasantly surprised at the standard. As I said a long time ago, if you want to go and watch A-graders, your A-reserves and your B-specials, then that's fine. If you want to go and watch boring tennis when they don't make many mistakes, then that's the game for you. Tell you what, boys, give me dodgy forehands, ancient dinosaurs gracing the courts, balls put into the net, balls put way, way out. That's where your real players are. I'll give you the tip. So the positives. Well, the biggest positive is we just took down the top team. Now don't forget, boys, this was a team that played in a grand final the season before in a higher section. For mine, it is up there in the top five victories that we have played since we've started as a collective rabble, and I, for one, couldn't be more proud of this team. Once again, we've got to hand credit to the words of the super coach David Thuma, who has opened our eyes up to what consistency is all about. I have a feeling we'd be getting absolutely nowhere near it if we didn't use the basics of what we've been taught. Thanks again to ET for organising it. As I said in the podcast earlier, I think it's a season-defining win. The belief should now be there, boys. Negatives? Well, I don't think there were too many. The two blowouts were probably as a result of them being a bit too strong and having their matchups right for those particular two sets, which is no surprise seeing as they'd only dropped one match prior to meeting us. And it's all about trying to pinch a game or two to keep the scoreline ticking over if things aren't going your way. So, after this week, let's go to the much-loved Audi Australia Player of the Year Award. And the votes were as follows. One vote, Matthew Clark. To be honest, boys, I thought we needed a search party for him in the first two sets that he'd gone missing. Moody and a bit down for mine, but by gee, did he have an absolute belt in the last set. The great man rising from the ashes in the last Yes, Matthew, you pulled one out of the fire in the last and then proceeded to tell us all about it after the game. Even your opposition, mate. Five down for the night. Two and a half votes to Ashley Harding. Dropped down the order to number four in the hope that his opponent would be a little bit weaker than him. Turns out his opponent was probably the same standard. Again, the dreadful start, followed by a wonderful second set. Helped turn the tide in the last, went 4-2 down with the captain. One down for the night. Two and a half votes, Mark Foster, at the end of the game, questioned the parentage of his opponent as it was thought that his father must have been a PlayStation character and his mother a brick wall. He got off to a cracking first set win with ET, tried hard in the second and helped steady the ship in his last set. One down for the night. And four votes, Eric Taylor. Goodness me, boys, isn't the old silver fox on fire lately? Took on Tullamarine's emergency player and totally owned him from first set to the last. He is by far and away the most improved player in this team. Cannot do much wrong at the moment. We hope he doesn't for a long time. Nine up for the night.
So let's go to the Audi Australia leaderboard. And after this week, Eric's extended his lead going into the mid-season break. Currently leads on 15.5 votes, ahead of Foster on 13. Smith sits on 10, with Harding coming fast. <laughs> coming fast. On 9.5, Clark moves up to 8.5, with Reynolds on 3.5, after being a late withdrawal. Audi Australia. My word, what a fine piece of German automotive excellence it is. Now here is another fun fact, boys, and even better because it involves one of the most corrupt organisations in the world. Did you know that in 1995, the International Olympic Committee tried to sue Audi for trademark infringement, claiming the four-ring badge was too similar to the five rings associated with the Games? Yes, it's finally awesome that the Germans did triumph over the rest of the world for once. Five rings versus four rings. Apparently the court was like a three-ring circus. Yes, I say it every week because I can, boys. If you've never driven an Audi, then chances are you don't own one or know anyone who does or ever will. Audi Australia. Vorsprung dusch technique. Audi. Get one now. Now, thanks to the second sponsor, Pop Mummy Australia, it's time to go around the grounds for Sea Special 1 action. In the game of the week, Keeler East easily accounted for Dudegala, winning 36 games to 24. Merlinston took the four points against John Bosco, who looks like they forfeited, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Speaking of not sure what's going on, in the other game between Royal Park and Greenvale, I've got no idea who won, as there's no results entered. And as this podcast is a few days after the Thursday night, hopefully whoever it is will cop a nice, big, fat fine. Now, you would think, boys, if both teams only had the one victory to show between themselves in total this season, they would have been keen on putting in the results. Obviously not. Now, that result, by the way, doesn't affect our ladder position. We stay fifth on percentage, but interestingly enough, after the defeat of Tullamarine, we are only a game and a half off the top. This section is shaping up nicely, my boys, in terms of snakes and ladders. Six teams are now within six points, and in fact there is no other section within the whole NSNTA that is as tight as the boys and their section. Now that roundup once again was proudly sponsored by Pop Mummy Australia. I tell you what folks, unique gifts are now creeping into that festive part of the year. When Santa goes around with his big sack... Popping presents underneath the tree, it's time to check out Pop Mummy Australia's musical carousels and globes. Some even have lights to brighten up the season. Prices vary and inquiries are always welcome. I tell you what boys, these are absolutely magnificent these guests and they are of a cracking quality, I kid you not. Check them out on Pop Mummy Australia's Facebook page. By the way, the website isn't too far away, so look out for that. As soon as I advertise it, of course. Pop Mummy Australia. Ho, ho, ho. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Pop Mummy Australia. Go there now. Now, thanks to our friend at Candlebark Retreat in Beechworth, it's time for the Mmm, Get a Room segment. Now, before I start this week's segment, I must confess... And it was brought to my attention that I got one of the combinations wrong last week. It was in fact Harding and Smith who got the 6-1 and not Taylor and Smith. 
It must be part of my subconscious not wanting to acknowledge anything that the hitman can actually do well at all. So I do apologise, Ashley. That's all you're getting from me, mate. Now back to this week, apart from the last set win of Clark and Taylor in the last set that should be acknowledged, again, Matthew, there was even a better one. Harding and Taylor take a bow. A 6-2 victory between them in set four, and no slow starts this time. Well played, boys. More of it. Candlebark retreat in Beechworth. What a magnificent establishment. Located between Chilton and Beechworth, it's perfect for that weekend getaway. Yes, it's well worth a trip to Beechworth and Chilton, boys. You know where I'm going with this one. Whether it's generally relaxing, having a beer, bird watching, or just visiting the magnificent Beechworth Bakery and smashing down a Bavarian cream ring or three, you know what my thoughts on these are, boys. They are magnificent. Or maybe even try one of their famous Ned Kelly pies. My word, they are good too. It really is the place to be. Canterbuck Retreat. Book it now. Now, thanks to the St Kilda Football Club, it's time for It's Not Me, It's You. Just when we think the hitman gets some credit for his bromance with Eric, he just can't seem to stay out of the headlines, the boy. Clark and himself managed to do absolutely nothing constructive in their first set together and got absolutely hammered 6-2. Just when the old captain had faith that Harding had turned the corner in terms of slow starts, especially in the first set, like Britney Spears, he did it again. No wonder Matthew took time to recover until his beast-like last set. The St Kilda Football Club, the most unprofessional football club in the Australian Football League, won Premiership Cup since 1896, the most dysfunctional board running around at the moment, who do not have the balls to admit that they are wrong and will not sack Mr Personality Alan Richardson. What else are they up to? Well, they're ready to give a long-term contract to a bloke from Sydney whose body looks like it's been shot and he's a well-known party boy who loves hanging out with Buddy after hours, yet delist a bloke that's been on the list for a few years, working his ass off to get back to where he was. Nathan Freeman, of course. Alex Johnson from Sydney and Daniel Menzel from Geelong are on the phone for you, you pathetic Saints list management. And he's just going to get some film of fitness back. And mark my words, as it always happens with those clowns down there who let blokes go, he's going to be an absolute gun if he's picked up. And more importantly, developed the right way. St Kilda Football Club are an organisation who stated they would be in a position to win a flag around 2020 when all likelihood it will be around 2060. A group of absolute morons who moved their two veterans and best two players on, Revold and Matania, for no reason whatsoever when they were clearly not holding any youngster back for the year. Speaking of players, an organisation whose recruitment and development of its young players is even worse than that of the Gold Coast, and I'm not shitting you boys. An organisation who decided to move on real footballers, Del Santo, Goddard, McAvoy, not athletes but footballers, in exchange for players who wouldn't have a fucking clue, aren't anywhere near footballers and are unlikely to even become anywhere near the quality of that trio. And finally, an organisation who stuffed up contractual negotiations with the second best senior coach they've ever had. 
Incidentally, since Ross Lyon left, the football club have not played finals. And then, what do they do? Sack his replacement, give him a tidy payout, then replace him with a coach who should be advertising pills to cure insomnia. Which, incidentally, if you have been to any St Kilda games lately, boys, and you've got insomnia, you won't have it after about 10 minutes. This football club has now become irrelevant to the entire competition, just as Melbourne was for a long, long period. Lachlan, you know this. By Christ, even the hacks known as Carlton are even looking more promising. Did I just say that? Anyway, St Kilda Football Club, thanks for another shithouse year. Pull your fingers out, do the right thing, or you'll lose members galore if this unmitigated crap of not being able to do the decent thing and say you were dead set wrong continues. Professional football club, my ass. Pathetic, shocking, inept, couldn't organise a piss-up in a brewery. And once again, boys, this segment is open to any of you to nominate a dodgy business. So send your ideas in and I'll give them a piece of my mind. Unlike the mob down at Moorabbin, who all apparently share the one mind. So, boys, that'll do it for this week. In line with the casually racist Kiwi suggestion, we'll go out with a song. The great man Bruce Springsteen celebrates his 69th birthday on September the 23rd. With next week's mini break, there'll be a season review and the season of the rest to come. Till then, good night. Good luck.